the recording stopped when I plugged it in, so we may have to splice the, these two together. Podcast people, you don't get the game we just played. It was a blast. Sorry, CJ. Um, yes, Regis Philbin was Silver Bells at my house for some crazy reason. Um, but we, used, we, we literally we would sit down. Uh, we still, to this day, play this game. We'll put on Christmas songs. My dad, my brother, mom, and I will all try to guess who it is. and um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, Christmas in my house would start uh, as late as the Friday after Thanksgiving and as early as the day after Christmas, um, meaning we once had our tree up the entire year. Um, my mom uh, absolutely loved Christmas. Every picture was replaced with a Christmas picture or wrapped in Christmas wrapping paper. Every room was transformed like it was a scene out of Elf, right? Every room in the house was, was decorated. Nothing brought more joy to my mom than the Christmas season. For me, the Christmas season often brings about a lot of cynicism, um, especially with Christians. You see, I used to work at a coffee shop, um, and we'd have those customers who, would, who wanted to make sure that everybody knew that Jesus was the reason for the season. So very emphatically, they would tell us, Merry Christmas, to which point I'd respond, and a happy holidays to you. And so they left. But that's not it. They would also, they would come in and they'd talk about all these little blessings that they had in their life, right? Oh, it was so busy and I just had to get to the store and I got a front row parking spot and God just blessed me with that. Or, oh, you would never believe how God provided for my family. I was able to get the last PS4 in the store. My kids are going to be so happy. Um, we were so blessed to be able to get that. And it was all this small, petty stuff that I'm pretty sure God could care less about, couldn't care less about, um, and yet they plaster this stupid wide-eyed smile on their face as they told me of their little blessings. I might have mentioned I'm a little cynical at times. Um, but my cynicism, I think, uh, stems a lot from uh, being a part of church ministry for a long time. For a long time, um, I, I worked in churches, I served in churches, um, and the holidays would come around. And uh, before I moved out here, um, the inevitable Christmas Eve service would come. And I'm so thankful we do a Christmas Eve Eve service uh, because of what I'm about to tell you. Um, because if I was lucky, our last service would end at 9 o'clock. And I would drive an hour home to my parents' house and reheat Christmas dinner while everybody else was going to bed. And that was my Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Um, when I wasn't lucky, I would get the, well, you don't really have a family of your own to go home to. So why don't you just stay and lock up the building? One time... This was after an 11 o'clock at night service. And so I was there till 1.30 in the morning. I, I went home, I slept for a couple hours, and I got on a plane and joined a bunch of strangers on Christmas Day um, to fly back to my parents' house. That was after I moved out here. Pretty soon I got married, um, and my wife did not like that tradition. Um, and so we did it once. We stayed in a hotel Christmas Eve night because we didn't want to pay for parking at the airport, and that was, she said she'd never do it again. Uh, pretty soon, um, I, I got out of uh, church ministry um, and was pretty excited, um, and then it found my way back into teaching in a Christian institution again, um, with all those lovely people who bring out the best cynicism in me. But, you know, as I've been working uh, at this school now, um, and as I've dealt with my annoyances of people, they started to wear me down a bit. Um, their little joy at the stupid little things in life um, has actually been pretty contagious. I remember the moment where somebody was telling me about some blessing that they had in their life. Normally, I would just roll my eyes and go on and complain to Dan about later. Um, 
But I found myself thinking, man, I want to be joyful like that. I want to be happy like that. Her life is so much happier than mine because I just spent all my time being cynical about these little things. It was like that day the Grinch's heart grew three sizes. And I thought about this scripture um, in Luke chapter 9, verses 49 through 50. Um, it's not a Christmas uh, scripture at all, but it came to mind. Um, the disciples are talking to Jesus and they say, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. And I thought about this story and how this man that was driving out the demons wasn't one of them. And yet Jesus was still getting the credit because he was driving them out in Jesus' name. Jesus was getting the glory for what was happening. So I began to think, so what if someone gives God the credit for something small and insignificant? So what if they misappropriate the word blessing to refer to a parking spot or a toy that will bring their child joy? Because at the heart of the matter, they're at least recognizing God in that moment, in the day-to-day boringness of life, and they're choosing joy in that moment. Joy to be a part of the family of God and to recognize God in their life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm being cynical, I'm not really thinking of God. But these people who live their life celebrating the little things and giving credit to God are exercising their faith and they're recognizing God in their life. And I want that. I want to be joyful in recognizing God every day in the ordinary life. There was a, there was a monk in the 17th century named Brother Lawrence. And uh, his, a lot of his works are compiled in this tiny little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And if you ever um, want to ruin your life, read this book. Um, because this guy, so he, his job at the monastery was to wash dishes. And he did not like to wash dishes at all. And yet, his practice as he washed dishes was to find ways to remember God, to notice God, to glorify God, to pray. Um, they, 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 some people write about that. There were times where he would stop washing dishes and he would just kneel and start praying right in the middle of, of, of the job because he was so moved by what God was doing in his life. And he, he said something like this um, towards the end of his life. Um, he basically, he, he had grown so close and so accustomed to God that he said, if God in all wisdom and love deems it necessary for me to spend eternity in hell, then I will gladly go. Right? His life, he spent so much time with God that his trust for God would, made him say, even if I have to go to hell, if that's what God wants for me, I will go. Which is a huge statement. Um, not theologically accurate at all, but it's a huge statement on, on his relationship with God. Um, day after day, and he said this, the holiest most universal and most necessary practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. To practice the presence of God is to take pleasure in and become accustomed to his divine company. When we choose to acknowledge God in the little things of life, we become accustomed to God's presence in our own lives. And so I recognize that I often struggle with Christian community. I struggle with it. Um, I get annoyed with it. I often get jealous of people who don't have to work with Christians um, because then you can just expect to be mistreated. You can just expect you know, people to, to, to overstep you and do all these things. But when it happens from a Christian, right, it just makes me mad because we're not supposed to be that way. 
And so as I'm going through this stuff, I remembered a book I read in college um, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. And he points out that it's actually a privilege for pastors um, and ministers to work with other believers. And I began to be convicted of the fact that day in and day out, when something bad happens in the world, I get to process it with my coworkers uh, in, in a bibl- with a biblical worldview. When something good happens, we get to celebrate and worship. If I need prayer, I can turn to anybody that I work with and ask for prayer. It's a privilege. I began to reflect that many of you, who I'm often jealous of, because you work in non-Christian environments, this is all you have. Sunday mornings could be the only time that you come together with other believers. And I don't know how you navigate this life with that. With all the messages of fear in the world that stand in stark contrast to Scripture, I don't know how you go through this without a Christian community. And, and it's a gift that I've taken for granted. And so I just want to encourage you um, to seek out either the people in this room or other Christians that you know um, to just be a part of your life, to get to enjoy um, God in the little things, because when you enjoy God in the little things, you can enjoy God in the big things. And I encourage you to choose joy, because joy is actually a choice. Uh, it's, it's closely related to gladness or happiness, um, but joy is more of a state of being, not an emotion. And it's a result of choice. And so when it comes to being thankful for Christian community, Bonhoeffer writes, and this is, this is the, the quote that, that I actually, I think I talked to Ryan right after I read it. I was like, this messed me up. He says this, We prevent God from giving us the great spiritual gifts that he has in store for us because we do not give thanks for daily gifts. We think we dare not be satisfied with the small measure of spiritual knowledge, experience, and love that has been given to us that we must constantly be looking forward eagerly for the highest good. How can God entrust great things to the one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? And so find a group of believers to practice thankfulness with. As I was going through this faith-walking journey and dealing with fear and anxiety and, 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 and being kind of overwhelmed uh, at work, uh, one of the things Ryan advised me to do was to keep a journal of all the things that I could celebrate in a given week. And as I began to do that, um, I noticed that my attitude started to change. Um, I started going home happier. Um, I was more at peace. Um, I didn't have as much worry and stress. I actually gave my boss permission um, to when I got in that mode of just cynicism and complaining to ask me what I could celebrate. And so at times, like I've been in that mode and he said, what can you celebrate in this? And I've had to get outside of myself and answer that question. It's a hard question to answer, um, but it's been good. What can you celebrate? Paul says in Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your, great, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So by choosing to be thankful in the little things, by choosing joy, we make ourselves more available to God in the everyday boringness of life, and we actually equip ourselves for when the big stuff comes. So as we wrap up, 
um, we're going to as uh, we're going to do do it in the way that we often begin a sermon um, with the passage of scripture. And as we start celebrating the little things in life to become prepared for the big things, I couldn't help think about Mary and the way that she acts um, in the passage in Luke um, where she is told that she's going to carry the Christ child. So Luke chapter 1 verse 26 through 38 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come, to, come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, few things are bigger in my mind than carrying the Christ child, raising him, and then watching him die a horrible death on the cross. And yet Mary responds to this call by saying, she's the Lord's servant, and may what has been be fulfilled. There's a particular nuance in this story that I want to point out. When when it says that Mary wondered, um, uh, the the, the Greek word um, is deologistico. Did I say that right? (laughs) Um, And in the Greek, it means to logic or to reason intensely. Uh, you see, I like it when things make sense. I spend a lot of time thinking about theology, talking about theology in life, and trying to make things connect. So, so when somebody says something that doesn't connect, I wonder. I use logic and intense reason to make sense of what they're saying or to disprove it altogether. But I wonder if I do this because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I choose to allow myself to believe that God provides parking spots and toys, that I'm going to look like an idiot. And the reality of it is, is that I am looked at that way. Since starting to choose joy in the little things, um, I've noticed that people respond to me different. Um, I've been corrected. I've been made fun of. And I even had a close friend question whether I actually knew what I was talking about as a Bible teacher because things, I was treating it so simply. And when I let that fear in, I'm not joyful because the two can't coexist. So I have to choose to either live in fear or joy every day. I can choose to acknowledge God in the little things or be afraid of what my friends might think of me. Brother Lawrence writes, It is not enough to love God and to know him only by what books tell us about him by what we feel about him in our souls, by fleeting feelings of devotion, or by some sort of personal spiritual illumination. 
We must make our faith alive and by faith rise above our feelings to adore God and Jesus Christ in themselves. This way of faith is the spirit of the church, and it is all we need to arrive at a high degree of perfection. And so as we move into this Advent season, um, let us do it with joy and celebration. Let us leave fear aside and practice acknowledging God in the little things, regardless of how foolish it makes us seem. Because when we acknowledge God in the little things, we will be more able to say as Mary did, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be.